Welcome to the Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown, the podcast where we watch scary movies so you don't have to. From award-winning to completely unknown, we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Solange Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously as we take these movies seriously. Just a heads up for this episode, while we don't go into any detail, this is a movie ultimately about the sexual assault of a minor. So um, if that's something that's going to be triggering for you, you may want to skip this episode. It's not very loud in our house, is it, Soli? No, in fact, you might say we have a silent house. Ooh, that sounds terrifying. Silent House 2011. It is freezing outside. It is freezing outside. We have our blinds all closed um, in an effort to conserve heat because we live in a place where they don't know how to build houses that conserve heat. Uh, We have our fire lit as well. It's lovely. It is a silent house. It feels Christmassy. We got our Christmas tree still up, which is inappropriate, but Libby loves it. It's no longer a Christmas tree. I have taken all the Christmas ornaments off. I've put all the Christmas things away. We just have a fake pine tree in our house. Yeah. Which Libby loves to climb. Mm, Yes. First fact about this film. It is quote unquote all one shot, meaning it's not literally all one shot, but it looks like it is. That's the gimmick of the movie. Right. The whole thing is filmed from the perspective of the main character, whose name is Sarah. And basically... Everything is what she is observing at any given time. Yeah. Except, I mean, you know, it's not first person, obviously. I mean, there are some movies that are, but it's rare. No, it's like it's like there's a cameraman right behind her there at all times in her life. And sometimes it's a little distracting. Like, you, you don't see him, but you can feel that the cameraman's, like, making his way around a table or squeezing himself into a corner. Or, or running down the stairs behind her. Yeah, that's there's a lot of bouncy running in this yes. movie. Yeah. It was distracting to me to, like... Like, I knew the cameraman was there. And there was even one part where she was walking towards the camera and, like, looking around the room scared of what might be there. And it totally got me thinking about the art of acting and the fact that they're not allowed to look in the camera. And, like, how weird that is to, like, there's a guy standing in front of you with this huge metal thing pointed at you. And you're just, like, looking around it, pretending it's not there. Mm -hmm. That's weird. I'm not sure that I would be able to do it. If my Zoom call behavior <laughs> indicates anything, it's that I would not be able to do that. It's th- it, That's what acting is. Apparently so. Um, no, I think the fact that she, ha- that the whole thing is told from this like outside of her head, third person, but definitely limited perspective is core to the storytelling. It is, we find out by the end. The whole thing is the exploration of her realizing that what she has in her head and what she is observing and what she thinks she knows is not accurate and kind of coming to a realization of what she used to know and has blocked out. This movie was losing me at first because of that 
real-time nature of it. You know, the fact that it was all one shot means it's all real-time. Mm-hmm. And there's problems with that. Like, mm-hmm. the, the most notable one for me was when she gets out of the house, because part of the plot here is that she's trapped in the house, but... Uh, Pretty early on, she gets out of the house and goes running, and she basically runs a lap around their yard. And we're just sitting there watching her do this run. And it was like, first of all, it was boring because it was a very long time of just somebody running and nothing else. And second of all, it was distracting because I'm like, you know, a normal movie would have cut away right at the beginning of this and then cut to her, you know, panting at the end of it going, oh, just made it. And it was just weird that we had to sit and watch that. It was. And there are lots of times in the movie where the action walks out of the room <laughs> and you're just sitting there with her doing nothing yeah, for a little a while. Corner. And I think they, in, in the storytelling, they did a good job of having her experiencing things, learning things, whatever, at a fairly good clip. But there were definitely several times after she's had a conversation with either her dad or her uncle Peter or whoever. Mm-hmm. And then like, literally you walk, you watch the action walk out of the room and you're just like, <laughs> can, can I go with him? <laughs> yeah. like, what's ha- I want to know what he's doing. She's boring right now. And yeah. in a normal movie, that's what would have happened. That reminds me of the movie Cadaver, where they were going through like a hotel that was like one giant play and you could follow whatever, whoever you wanted mm-hmm. and whatever interested you the most. But we couldn't do that. No, we, we, we were stuck following her. We were trapped with her while she sat and sorted through the trash in her childhood bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, for a while, she refused to sort through the trash, but eventually she sorted through the trash. There were parts of that scene that gave me that feeling that I get when we're watching a movie where there's no script and everyone's just supposed to be ad libbing. <laughs> yeah. Where I'm just like, this argument about whether or not she's doing the work that you're asking her to do is going on way too long. Like, well, <laughs> why are we still going back and forth about this? And then the opposite of that happened where she's in there, she's cleaning up the garbage for about 30 seconds. And then she's like, hey, dad, what are you doing? And he's like, whatever, he's moving something around. Maybe because she heard a noise. I'm not sure. And he yells back what are you doing? And she's like, cleaning this up. Like, He's like, that's been, what I like to hear. It's been 10 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And that was part of the, you know, the real time nature of it. Like they wanted to keep it moving. It would have been boring to sit and watch her do the cleaning for a while, but it's also ridiculous for her to, to for them to have this conversation 10 seconds after she starts. On the other hand, that was one of the most important scenes of the movie mm. in terms of understanding like that scene clicks in with something that happens much later that made me put together what was going on. Really? Because in that cleaning scene, I mean, they put it in there for a reason because you see her put very specific items. And in this house that is filled with junk, all of it looking very old and dark and like nondescript for the most part. In this particular scene, she's in the bedroom that she shared with her cousins, I guess, when they were little. And you watch her like pick a thing up and put it in the trash bag and pick a thing up and put it in the Mm -hmm. trash bag. And the three things that she picks up. Okay. I only remember one. No, there were three things. There's a yellow boa. Mm -hmm. There's a pink tutu and there's a red metal box. Okay. I know what all of those are. The only things that have any color in the entire movie, basically. (laughs) Yeah. And 
she puts them in these bucks and, and I'm sitting there going like, really, these are the things we're throwing away. There's no, <laughs> no other like trash things that you could be throwing away in this room. But there's a reason she wanted to throw them away. Well, yes, it all came back around. And actually I was bored to tears through probably three quarters of this movie. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, it did wrap things up in a way where I was like, a lot of the things that annoyed me, the way she cleaned that bedroom, or the way she like went into a complete meltdown anytime there was anything that made her yes. like anything unexpected or anything that scared her, <laughs> that I now understand why she is like that. The fact that when she was trying to hide from the people who had invaded her house, at least this is what she thinks is going on in a, a house filled with a maze of rooms and things to hide behind. She goes into one of the brighter lit rooms and climbs under the dining room table, which has no tablecloth or no tablecloth, no nothing. Like I was so annoyed with her. Well, by the end I'm like, Oh, okay. She was hiding like a child hides. Yes. I had that same feeling as you like where this was like, you know, I kept thinking, is this going to be the open house? You know, mm-hmm. is this just people coming in here and murdering them? And that's that. And then finally, in the last quarter of the movie, they revealed what's really going on. And it was a great treat that the best thing about it was there's stuff at the very beginning of this movie that feels off. I wrote down mm-hmm. the vibe is off. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is this just really, you know, bad writing bad characterization but no it's all a part of it and it makes sense in the end and there's just enough of a misdirect but when you look back you're like "Mm, okay it still makes sense the way they did it it just i jumped to a conclusion that was not the correct conclusion like Mm -hmm. the very first time she had an interaction with her uncle i was like "Ooh, no dude yep creepy dude this guy is the bad guy it was immediately obvious their interaction It is clear that he has done naughty things. And part of that was like, he gave off a sense of guilt. And part of it was that she gave off a sense of not trusting him. And like, there was a lot of that going on. And at the end, well, he didn't protect her. So those things were true. They just weren't true in the way that I thought they were. Yeah. I mean, he was definitely bad. He was complicit more than just not protecting her. Like he was Are you sure? Because I, I feel like at the end, the vibe that I got was that it really for him was just like he 100% knew what was going on and did nothing about it. He did. And, and that that was what she was holding him accountable for and that that was what he was apologizing for. But when we saw things happening in the past, we'd see two sets of legs. So he was right there. He, it's not just that he knew what was going on. It's that he was mm. directly involved. I mean, I don't know that he, quote, did anything, but he was standing right there, which is not yeah. appropriate. Okay. That's, yeah. So the flashback parts where she actually is starting to, like, have the memories of what was going on and realizing that the things that she's been seeing happening in the house aren't really happening. And, like, all of that was so chaotic that I kind of lost the thread of what was going on. Also, it was very chaotic and I had stopped paying attention <laughs> because I was so bored. Yes. And it, like, I had to kind of, like, pick back up and be like, oh, okay, wait, we, what did we learn? What did we see? What was that? But the real problem was that her dad was the actual problem from her childhood. And 
I thought they did a really good job of setting that up because when you look back at the beginning, they are having interactions. Like they're talking to each other. You definitely don't get the vibe that like she hates him or anything, but they're not super close. I don't know. There's just, yeah, there's just a lot of things. And of course, in movies, when adult women call their father daddy, that is never a good sign. When she was doing that throughout the movie, I was always like, I don't like that. But I didn't think there was a problem necessarily. Right. Because it's not a problem all the time in real life. It's not actually a problem. It's just kind of... But it is one of those like markers that we use in movies, Mm -hmm. like how there's only one reason that women in movies throw up. Yes. So by the end, you know, we realize here's the spoiler part of this movie. I mean, (gasps) spoilers. I think we've already kind of dipped our toe in that water. But the big spoiler of the movie is that none of the things that she thought were happening in the house were happening. She was the one hurting her father and her uncle. And she was imagining that there were other people there because she had blocked out the fact that she had been abused by them. And so then we have this, the last quarter of the movie being her knowing what she's doing and getting her revenge. Yeah, but also kind of fighting against it. Like she was kind of split personality, but not really split personality, but kind of. Kind of slipping in and out of reality. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the overall problem that I have with this movie. Yes. I did not care about her. (laughs) Wow, that's terrible. It is. It's terrible. And and given, you know, you get to the end and I still was sort of like, eh. The beginning of the movie... There was nothing about this character that I really connected to or that like there just wasn't enough world building or character building yes. at the beginning for me to be invested before things started happening. And then everyone was behaving in such odd ways that I was just like, I don't know, you're all like, why are <laughs> you doing this? Very like, weird people. <laughs> right. And And half of what she was doing, I was honestly, I was victim blaming. I'm like... <laughs> You're bringing this on yourself. Like, you are doing things that are making it easier for them to continue attacking you. Like, why are you doing it? actually doing those things. (laughs) Right. And it does make sense at the end. But by that point, I've already, like, moved on from caring what happens to her. I had that exact thing. Like, halfway through the movie, she was just walking through the house. And I'm like, they have not given us any background to Mm -hmm. these characters. Like, they don't mean anything to me. They're just... Mm -mm people. (laughs) They did this like really brief discussion between the dad and the uncle and the daughter where they were like, it came out that they were there doing repairs on the house. And you could Mm -hmm. see that the dad and the uncle had tension and that you could feel like the weirdness between her and both of the men. And then there's a whole discussion with the neighbor girl or the local girl. Yes. Did she exist? Well, no. And we know that because when Sarah slashed at her with a knife it cut sarah's own right hand. right right okay so she's having this discussion with this imaginary local girl who's like we used to hang out and you know mm-hmm. i came over to this house with you and don't you remember and yeah you know and that's the point where we learn that somebody's been destroying this house like throwing rocks at it and stuff breaking all the windows oh my gosh i didn't think of that uh-huh. and we learn that they're there to fix it up clean it out so that they can sell it. And we learn that she has no memories from her childhood. Yeah. Or at least very little. Yeah. So like we have all the necessary information, but what we don't have is anything that makes any of these three people 
or four people if you count the imaginary <laughs> local girl. We don't have anything that makes them whole human beings. Yeah, it definitely felt like that, like that they were just not explained in any way, which I don't know what they would do other than just maybe have them drive up there and chatting in the car and we get a feel for what they're like. Or having them do anything that wasn't <laughs> exactly moving the story forward, mm -hmm. which is a funny critique for me to make because <laughs> often I'm complaining that it's the other direction, right? Yeah. But in this case, there are a couple of little things, but it's just, it's not enough. And it's always something that's adding to the questions. And it, it was never anything that was adding to the answers about who are these people. Like even when she went into the kitchen and got the bottle of beer and like opened the bottle of beer and was mm -hmm. drinking, which was clearly an important thing. And it does become important yeah. later. But even that I was like, this is clearly tension filled. This is clearly supposed to be something that I develop questions and concerns about. And it's not just like, oh, this is a girl who, when she relaxes, she drinks beer. Like that would be a mm -hmm. thing about her. Yes, it would be nice to know a thing about her. But I don't know that because she looked really uncomfortable drinking that beer. And all I could wonder was, why is she doing this? Why is she so uncomfortable? What is happening? Also, why am I sitting here watching her drink a bottle of beer instead of seeing any of the things that are going on in the rest of the house? Because that's the movie. It's, it's all second person. So Sophia is the neighbor girl who doesn't exist. Right. And I have two takes on her. First, is partway through the movie, I was like, oh, I get it now. Sophia's not a ghost, which is what I thought she was from the mm -hmm. beginning. She's a murderer. She's part of this team of killers that's coming, that's going to come kill them all. And, you know, she did this whole thing about, hey, maybe we should hang out later. I'm going to come over and we'll right. hang out. And I'll that would be the, by. that would be the thing. She'd show mm -hmm. up and she'd be like, hey, now we're hanging out. Ha ha ha. And hit her with a hammer. But no, she wasn't. And that leads to fact number two about her, which is that I saw on IMDb, one of the directors actually said that Sophia is in fact... Sarah's aborted daughter from this abuse that she obviously had to get an abortion and had issues what? with. That was absolutely How? not in the movie in any way. But that's what they decided was the case. Oh, my. Okay. Oh. Huh. The toilet that poured blood out of the <gasps> wall. I mean, that's not really so much aborted as miscarried, but whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, depending on what happened mm -hmm. to cause. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I had missed that. I thought maybe that just had something to do with the abuse. Yeah. I didn't go there with that imagery, but it makes sense. Wow. So this sort of leads to my second major problem with this film. Okay. For the first three quarters, I don't care what's going on because it's not interesting enough. <laughs> For the last quarter of the film, I'm just angry <laughs> because now it's just another movie where a woman or a little girl is gratuitously abused for the purposes of creating an entertaining story. And I don't yeah. care that she's the one who is getting her revenge, like that she's the one that's hurting them now. It doesn't matter because the premise of the movie is look at this other thing that happened and now we have a story. That's what creates a story. Yeah, I can see that. And there's I, too much of that. Like it's it's a yeah. very appropriate, you know, story. It's something out of the norm, something crazy that happened. Mm -hmm. So it's a story, but they keep using that same one. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. 
There are too many of these movies and too many of them are mainly written, directed, what have you, by men. Mm -hmm. And that bothers me. Now, this movie is from 2011, which, despite what my brain tells me, is over a decade ago. It is. And, you know, there was a time when movies like this and the fact that she was the one getting revenge, like there was a time where that was part of the shift of the culture was it's not just a movie about a woman being attacked. It's yeah. about a woman who was attacked, who is now getting revenge. That, that was the first version of strong women. Yes. And now I think we have moved on to a point where our strong female characters, they're the thing that makes them important doesn't have to be the trauma that they experienced. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't have experienced trauma or that we can't talk about those things, but it's not the only thing that makes them important. It's sort of like now we have characters in movies and TV who are gay or trans or, you know, bi yeah. or whatever. And that's not the only important thing about them. That just happens to be part of their characteristics. That was a cool bit in a movie we watched a little bit ago talk to me um we didn't even mention it because it's literally not important at all to the plot one of the characters in the movie is non-binary and people refer to them as they and that's it they're just mm -hmm. a regular person and that's all and that's mm -hmm. that's something that's, it's not part of the story yeah it just is happening and i think that that's you know i think now when we have stories horror or otherwise about strong women, they may have trauma in their past, but the story isn't necessarily about the trauma happening or about them getting some kind of revenge or having to heal from the trauma. Yeah. It's just that it's part of who they are when they do other things in their lives. You know, they raise their children or have relationships or go to jobs. Fly spaceships? Fly spaceships. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I think that this particular story, style of story had its moment where it was a powerful storytelling piece, but that moment has passed. And 2024, me watching this 2011 movie was exceedingly annoyed by it. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of strong women, mm -hmm. and you've mentioned this before, throughout this movie, Sarah is just in hysterics for mm -hmm. the entire movie. Mm -hmm. And Every time I saw it, I was like, this is grating. I don't want to see this. It's unpleasant to watch. It's also exactly how I would act in this situation. You know, like, she's not just scared. She's, like, incapable of functioning because she's mm -hmm. so terrified and has no idea what's going on. And I think it's probably, like, the most realistic way to portray someone scared of things. Like, we never see that in movies. But it's so annoying. <laughs> Right. There's maybe a reason yeah. we don't see that very often. We don't want to see people acting the way they really do. We want to see them being stronger than that. Right. Right. I think I, I like that choice in that that is a realistic response to having this like traumatic background that you don't remember. Like she is afraid yeah. all the time because her body remembers being afraid and knows that there's a reason to be afraid, but her brain has... Yeah, you know, is pretending there isn't. So she's got that res the trauma response going on the whole movie, right? And so it's very realistic. But yeah, it's really annoying to watch someone <laughs> not be able to function. 
But then as I was watching, there were parts where I was like, oh my gosh, just get it together. Like, why are you, why are you in full paralysis? Because there was one small sound out in the hallway where your dad is like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I'm like, why, why? And then I stop and think, and I'm like, oh, when, when my anxiety is high, it takes n almost nothing for me to go into paralysis mode <laughs> and to like go into this full panic of, I don't know how to handle this. Yeah. So I, I really think that's, it was a very realistic portrayal and we don't like people. People are terrible. Show us fake people. Well, you know, I think there is something about that, that we don't like to see weakness. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. Okay. I was thinking about this while we were watching a different movie today, one we're not going to be reviewing because it's not a horror movie. Uh, we watched Lyft, which was funny. And like, if you like ridiculous heist movies, go for it. Like it's, it's funny. <laughs> they are reviewing it. Yeah. They're fun. Whatever. <laughs> Watch it. I want to say that because I am also going to say, I really didn't like that movie mostly because it made me think so deep. Like it was so obvious that this was the fantasy of a very specific type of person, type of male person mm -hmm. who had this fantasy about being the strongest and the person that everyone looked up to and the person who had all the answers no matter what the question was and who everyone was willing to just like give up their whole lives and everything yeah. that was important to them in order to follow you into battle sort of thing. And I'm like, this is the fantasy of a very specific kind of person. And that person is not me, <laughs> which is fine. Like, great. All that means is that movie was not made for me. Fine. But it also made me think about this movie and how often in horror movies, there is also that level of awareness of like, oh, this movie is kind of a fantasy, not the positive, not a good fantasy, but like a, yeah. a dark fantasy or a like someone's getting hurt fantasy. And if you aren't paying attention to whose fantasy it is, you don't understand what the movie is saying. Whose fantasy is it? This one in particular? I feel like this one was supposed to be written as a fantasy for women who had experienced abuse, right? Like it's supposed to be yeah. that like revenge fantasy. The problem is I don't think control of all of the decisions was in the hands of someone who understood that fantasy. And that's sort of what I'm talking about. Like sometimes it's, do you understand who the fantasy is aimed at? And other times it's, does the person who wrote the story... <laughs> the fantasy, understand who the fantasy is aimed at. Because if those two things don't line up, it comes across as disingenuous. Yeah, there's something about the fact that she didn't even know she was doing this. Like, she had lost her mind and basically killed these... Well, she only killed her dad, I believe. Mm -hmm. She killed him. In the end, she ends up killing him in a lucid way. She's like, mm -hmm. he he comes for... He, turns on a dime and goes nuts mm -hmm. and she quite reasonably kills him, which I think is a Hollywood thing where they're like, well, we got to make it very clear that this is okay. Right. It would have been a grayer <laughs> area if she had, if, if he had not had the opportunity to very conclusively prove to the audience, mm -hmm. he is still intent on oh, abusing he's, her. He's truly awful. Yeah. It, it's that as opposed to, you know, like if she had lured them out to this house and arranged it so that they would get killed, like that would, she'd be a villain, like not, not a villain. She'd be an anti-hero or something like that. You know, like hooray, she's killing these bad guys. But you know, it, that's, that's mm -hmm. like revenge fantasy. Yeah. This was like revenge fantasy mixed with, well, she's a psycho killer. <laughs> like, 
It's weird. Yeah. Well, and it was a revenge fantasy, but so much of it focused on the, here, look what happened to her, mm -hmm. that I'm like, that doesn't feel like, now see, now yeah. it feels like someone else's fantasy is kind of edging in. Yeah. And it's not the same person. And yeah, that I think that's, that's what makes me com uncomfortable about a lot of these movies that have assault or sexual violence in them, because it there's a very fine line between... Is the point of the movie the revenge or is the point of the movie, look at this? Yeah. I mean, we've definitely been there before. Yeah. Not necessarily with that kind of trauma, but with just like brutally assaulting women physically. Yes. Yes. So something I liked more about this film was that there was a lot of symbolism that you could pick out. It was like the kind of symbolism we're taught in high school English, like very overt red curtains mean this, you know? <laughs> and I think it's funny that so often, like we're taught to find that symbolism in things where I'm like, I don't know that that symbolism existed when that story was originally written. Yeah. We've created that. But then we learn that that's what symbolism is. And then we go on to create content <laughs> where we include yeah. that symbolism which is a funny, like weird, uh, yeah. self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing that happens. But this movie had a lot of that very overt symbolism, the tutu and the boa being like brightly colored and, you know, so childish and moment of innocence in the darkness of this mm -hmm. abandoned house. But more importantly, the fact that she kept getting locked in the house yeah. at various times. And she was the only person who could let herself out of the house True. in all of those different times, which I thought was a little clunky, but also <laughs> was kind of interesting. Yeah. And the fact that it was all from her point of view, like we talked about at the beginning, seemed also very symbolic where it was, you know, oh, we're, we're seeing we're in her head, but not in her head because she's not even in her head. Ooh. So it's not first yeah. person because she has disassociated from what's going on in the reality too. So like we are kind of, Sophia following her around. Yeah. I don't know. I thought, I thought some thing. of that was interesting. Very artistic. Mm -hmm. We've covered all the angles about what this movie is like. And that's kind of my take on it. That at first it was like, this is pretty dumb, pretty boring. And then as the twist comes into it and you realize what's really going on, it's like, oh, that's really clever and cool. But it doesn't make up for the fact that it's not fun to watch in the first place. So, like, if they had done it better with this twist, it would be great. And I should point out that this is a remake of a one-year-older Uruguayan movie. So I might have to try that sometime and see if they did it right in the first place. Yeah. But it means it's not a great movie, despite having this really clever, cool idea about how it all works. So I'm just going to give it, you know what? I'm going to give it three Polaroid pictures out of five because I'm bumping it up a little because that is a clever, clever thing they did. Mm -hmm. I am actually going to give it the exact same score, three Polaroid pictures out of five Okay. for basically the same reason. I, I did not enjoy this movie. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't, I, I've already said I was bored for a big part of it. I was confused for a chunk of it, and then I was annoyed for the ending of it. And so the story itself did not work for me. And I do think that that is a case of it being a 13-year-old movie. 
Yeah. Um, I, I think that plays into it. I think I probably would have enjoyed this movie a lot more had I seen it in 2011. Probably. Because I would have been more in my own personal, like, revenge fantasy is the strong female <laughs> character kind of place. That being said, I'm still giving it three because I feel like I can see what they were trying to do. And they did interesting things. Yeah, a whole lot of little sneaky foreshadowing that you could feel smart mm -hmm. for picking up. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I feel like this is a very accessible horror film. I, yeah. you know, and, and I say that, like, I feel like it's going to sound arrogant when I say accessible, meaning like the symbolism is pretty obvious. The foreshadowing is pretty obvious, but that makes it accessible to me too. Like, that's <laughs> what I mean by that is like, yeah. I, like you said, I could watch it and I could see the things I noticed them myself and I could feel smart watching it because I was like, oh, I, I noticed that. Like, mm -hmm. I understand what this scene where sh there's a little girl whose face we can't see in a pink tutu and a yellow yeah. boa. I'm like, oh, I know who that is because well, I was paying attention. And like at the beginning of the movie when Uncle Pete was creepy, mm -hmm. like some movies, the characters are just like that. And you're, you're grossed out, but they didn't even intend that. Right. And so that's kind of what you think at first, but it's in there and yeah. it kind of connects. Yeah. There, there was a lot of a lot of that. I think there was discussion about the rot all through the house. Yeah, there was. Which... I forgot about that. Is, is really very strong, heavy-handed symbolism. <laughs> yeah. But it was done in a way that didn't feel super overly heavy-handed. I mean, if you are someone who, you know, is way smarter than I am, you <laughs> might have felt like this movie was over the top with that. But I liked it. I liked the one-shot effort because it was part of the story. It wasn't just like a yeah. weird gimmicky thing. It it had a reason. There were just a lot of things that I liked about it. It still didn't work for me, mm -hmm. but I liked it. I feel the same. Like, it should have been good. Yeah. One thing that I didn't mention earlier that really didn't work for me was that for a significant chunk of the she's having panic attacks about all the sounds that are happening all around her, section of the movie it was a lot of heavy like Blair Witch style breathing and <laughs> up close face things yeah, and, and running around inside the house and I was like yeah no <laughs> the panting in my ear worked to make me anxious when Blair Witch came out <laughs> but that's been done enough that I don't have the same like mirror neuron response it's just because you didn't like her that is possibly <laughs> also it i was just like sit down and take a breath girl yeah so it it didn't work overall but i can appreciate what they were trying to do and i give it leeway for the fact that i'm probably judging it based by standards that are 13 years past what it should be judged by that so. is appropriate that's what we're doing yeah Fight the horror of a world gone mad. For my hot semi-political tip mm. this week, the fact that we record these several weeks in advance is going to be a little bit of an issue, but not really. Very recently, there was Human Trafficking Awareness Day, and I think it's appropriate because that's not something we should just be aware of on a single day or care about mm -hmm. on a single day. So because of how annoyed I am by the premise of this movie and um, because, unfortunately, those sorts of traumas are things that are experienced um, by way too many people way too often, 
I will use this opportunity just to point out that violence against women, violence against girls, violence against anyone who is vulnerable is a thing that happens regularly and we should all be on the lookout for it. We should not ever be Uncle Peter who just lets things happen and doesn't say anything. And these are things, you know, we should be aware of. So I don't know, take a moment to Google human trafficking uh, signs and what you can do if you think there might be something going on. In fact, here in Texas, the Texas Department of Transportation has an education program called On the Road to End Human Trafficking, where they give information about how you can identify human trafficking situations, how you can report if you think something is happening. Um, There are hotline numbers. There's all kinds of information. So if you Google on the road to end human trafficking, you will find their page that has lots of information to keep yourself, your loved ones, and other human beings safe. Yeah, because other human beings matter too. What? They do. So that's that. Okay. Well, I'm going to go run a lap around the yard. And we will be back next week with an exciting new film that's in multiple takes. Sounds good. I can't wait. Me neither. Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm.